0: Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating
1: the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. We're going to check back in with some people who have the top draft picks in last season's draft.
0: And before we get started with that, let's just quickly remind everyone that you can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast on Twitter, at Hoops and Talks, and you can subscribe to the show in the Blazer's Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts.
1: Cassidy, how are you doing today? I am doing okay. My voice is cutting in and out. Yeah, you're feeling, sounding a little raspy today. What what have you been up to? Well, this weekend I spent about thirty hours volunteering for first Lego League robotics tournaments for nine to fourteen year old kids, and uh, at those tournaments I'm on microphone a good amount of the time, pumping up the kids, like getting everybody excited about the robots and uh, doing the ceremonies. So my voice is not quite there this tonight.
0: <laughs> okay, wait. I know this is a basketball podcast, but I need um a I need you to give paint. Folks, a picture of a robotics tournament. I've seen a billion robotics tournaments, but I don't know if everybody else has. So, would you indulge me if your voice lasts long enough and just explain kind of what happens at the first Lego League State Championship tournament?
1: Yeah, so it's a pretty exciting program for nine to fourteen year olds, where they build a Lego robot that does an obstacle course that's based on um, year's theme, and uh, each kid. They each team builds a robot. it does the obstacle course in two and a half minutes and it's all autonomous, which means it's all programmed so there's no remote controls and the kids also have to go through a series of interviews uh to talk about their robot, talk about their teamwork, and also a project kind of like a science fair project that they do that helps solve a problem with an innovative solution and so it's pretty excited. we call it sports of the mind that and
0: what is your role during the uh during the whole weekend?
1: I am the MC for the event. So I am on mic doing some play-by-play. I have some play-by-play announcers that are great. And then I talk a lot during the ceremonies, making sure everybody is informed about what's going on. So it's a lot of me talking on a microphone. So you're like the (laughs) Mark Mason of the first Lego
0: League in Oregon.
1: Yes. I'd say there's a lot of my uh, calls that are very much Mark Mason inspired as well. So um, definitely uh, inspired by my fellow Blazer people.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, there's, you know, there's so many uh, STEM programs out there, science, technology, engineering, and math. And I've noticed that the NBA has been getting involved in like science and technology, which only makes sense because the league, even though, you know, it's a physical activity, you know, every year there's more and more technology that is part of the league.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, I know there's like NBA – like the NBA has like a math competition and I think they have a hackathon and um, some of these things are for kids. Some of them are for people in college who are like pursuing degrees in these particular fields. But um, I just – I love – one of the things that I've loved about basketball with my kids when they were little was the sneaky math that I could make them do. (laughs)
1: my dad did a lot of that with me for sure yeah
0: like hey what's the score oh how many points are the Blazers up or how many points do the Blazers need to score to take the lead how many three pointers would that be yeah yeah my kids eventually saw through it they were like mom
1: (laughs) come on we get it yeah well and then you've got players with technical degrees like Damian Lillard has his degree is technically a Technical degree from an engineering school, I believe. That's right. It's like uh, engineering communication or technical communication or something I think like it's that. Uh, some kind of technical communication sales, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's right. That's and then Chris really really cool. Bosch is uh, was uh, really for a couple years, and I think he still is um, pushing the whole um, everybody can learn how to code at least you know to some degree. So so that's really cool. And then of course all the guys down in Silicon Valley who are um, you know tech entrepreneurs or looking at being in tech entrepreneurs i know every summer the uh nba has program or the nbpa the players association has like internships that mm-hmm. players can do and go spend a day at facebook go spend a day at, at google i know al, al- Ru has done a couple of those um yeah so yeah, even though, you know, it's a it it's it's very different from basketball, it's it's a sport and it's also something that uses your mind and, you know, I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, the more you know, every year that goes by, there's more technology involved and there's more of a need to understand how all of that works in order and, you know, we get to do things like make cool data visualizations and understand how <laughs> things like that. If you learn how to program computers or if you learn how to, like, program the cameras that are in the ceiling taking pictures of all the games, there's there's just a ton of stuff. So your yeah. work volunteering for First Lego League is an awesome contribution, maybe not directly to basketball, but I'm sure that in the <laughs> audience somewhere or participating, there was some kid who is going to go on to, like, do something that uh, makes a difference in the sports world, too. <laughs> Thank you for your volunteering at the tournaments. Well, let's go ahead and introduce uh, reintroduce the topic that you brought up earlier. We are going uh, like about 6 months ago, I talked to folks from the fan bases who had the first four picks of last year's draft and wanted to find out like what their expectations were going into the season. One of the interesting things about last year is that Luka Doncic was picked third, and a lot of people wanted their, uh, you know, wanted their team to pick him, and you know, obviously Dallas got him. But we we talked to folks from Phoenix and Sacramento, so uh, we were able to ask them the very uncomfortable question: How's everybody feeling about not having Luka Doncic? But I don't know. I would say that. Both people that we talked to indicated that while well, you know people are pretty satisfied with the picks that they have, even if they're not Luka Doncic.
1: And there's always the coulda, shoulda, woulda factor, and you never know who's gonna fit in where.
0: So, and there's always gonna be some people who just never let it go. <laughs> this is how yeah. Well, so <laughs> for for the number one pick, Phoenix, Arizona picks DeAndre Ayton. And I got a chance to talk to Gina Mizell. She writes for The Athletic. And since she'd never been on the program before, I also asked her a little bit about her background and how she ended up covering the Suns for The Athletic. She did spend a little bit of time in Oregon before she went back down to Phoenix, which was where she grew up. Had an interesting conversation with her, getting to know a little bit more about DeAndre Ayton. One of the interesting things down there is they also have a first-time NBA head coach. Um, their coach, Kokoshkov has been around the NBA, and he's been a – I believe he was a head coach over in Europe, but he never had an NBA head coaching position before. So they've got the number one pick and a new NBA coach And they're just all sort of learning how to um, how to get it all together with the idea that they're kind of all hopefully going to be in this for the long run together. So they're just sort of right now this year kind of establishing they're trying to establish patterns and and good habits. So let's go ahead and run my talk with Gina Mizell of The Athletic. Gina, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be on the show and join us today. Really glad to have you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Always pleased and happy to talk to people from Portland, my, uh, my old stomping ground. So it's great to be here.
0: Right on. Well, since this is your first time on Women's Hoops and Talks, could you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up in Phoenix covering the Phoenix Suns?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, just started covering the Suns for the Athletic, which obviously um, is a pretty new uh, media adventure for a lot of us. But has expanded rapidly, and our Arizona site just launched um, right after Labor Day. So it's been a pretty, you know, new, uh, new opportunity for me. But have really, really enjoyed just the. The freedom and the ability to tell really cool stories and to sort of be on the you know the cutting edge and trying to figure things out at a at a brand new company um, that's rapidly expanding. But as far as my journey, um, I actually I grew up in Phoenix, so this was an opportunity to come back to my hometown and be close to my family and work in the media market that I grew up consuming, which has been a thrill. But took a little while to to get back here. Um, I graduated from Arizona State in 2010 from the. Cronkite School and then um, worked at a small newspaper just outside of Houston, Houston. Um, worked at the Oklahoman in Oklahoma City covering Oklahoma State football um, for about two and a half years, then moved to Portland and covered Oregon State football and other things for the Oregonian from 2014 to 2017, then got my opportunity to cover the NBA last year. um, I was hired to cover the Denver Nuggets for the Denver Post and did that for a year um, was having a great time in Denver love my time there and then of course when your hometown comes calling um, especially at it's such a great um, new adventure that I believe so much in with what the athletic is doing and just the opportunity um, I had to had to take it so yeah moved back to Phoenix in September and have been doing this job for you know this the past uh, four months or so since the season started. Oh,
0: great. Now, since you are, have re- returned to your hometown, and I guess now I don't know my colleges in Arizona as well as I should. Did you also go to college in Phoenix or did you go? In a different,
2: yeah, yeah. I went to Arizona State University, um, the to the uh, Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communications. So, shout out to them and their awesome training. So, yeah, I, I lived in Phoenix from I was born here, and you know, lived here until I was twenty two, and and then uh, left for eight years, basically, and kind of got to see a lot of different, you know, parts of the country and experience a lot of different stuff and. It's uh, like I said, it's a thrill to be able to come back and work in this market, um, but also coming back with like some different perspective than I you know, would have had if I had stayed here the whole time. So thankful for all of all parts of the journey and obviously the opportunity to come back here. Right on. Now, when you
0: returned to Phoenix or maybe while you were in college, did you meet any of the people that you remembered listening to or watching when you were growing up in town? And what was that like?
2: Yeah, it's wild. um, Because I actually, you know, now I work alongside some of those people. It's really crazy. I mean, when I was in high school, and um, I I shared this story, um, when someone starts at the athletic, you kind of write this intro piece about why you joined and kind of what it means to you. And the kind of story or anecdote that I shared is that, um, you know, I grew up Watching and listening to all sports, but of course the, the Phoenix Suns and um, their play-by-play broadcaster Al McCoy is like a legend, not just in Phoenix, but like he's one of the most well-known radio broadcasters um, in the country and in, in the league. And, and so, when I was in high school, we uh, we were doing some sort of. Um, some sort of project. I was on my school newspaper staff and we were doing, a, you know, something like behind the scenes type thing. And through a, a classmate and friends connection, um, I actually got to interview Al McCoy when I was like 16 or 17 years old. And so to now sit behind him, like on press row in Phoenix and to like be in the same space and that he like says hi to me every day and knows who I am is pretty wild. So that's probably my, my best example. But no, I mean, there are there are people out here that, you know, I grew up reading that I grew up watching them on TV that, um, you know, I've, I've gotten to know either, like you said, while I was in college or just as my career has progressed. And like I said, to sort of be um, amongst them again and to be colleagues and friends with some of these people now is one of the most gratifying things that's ever happened to me in my life. That sounds really big, but it's true. That's, it's one of the, I sort of, um, you know, sort of feel like, okay, I accomplished something. I'm, I'm back here working in, in the place that I grew up consuming sports media and and falling in love with sports. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And I owe a lot of thanks to a lot of people for that, but that's really been something that's been very, very cool—a um, very cool part of being back here. That's really
0: cool. Your parents and friends must be so excited to read your coverage.
2: Oh yeah, they—they <laughs> <laughs> they totally are, and it's—it's it's funny because I've had a couple instances where. Um, cause I, you know, I'll go on the radio like pretty regularly or things like that, just do hits here and there. And I'll have like friends like text me and be like, Hey, I just heard you on, you know, one of the stations. And they're like, have you like always done that? And I'm like, yeah, kind of just in different cities. I, you know, doing it in Portland or doing it in Denver or in Oklahoma city or things like that. So to have more people to sort of share in that experience, as far as, you know, friends and family who have you know, who've known me since I was a kid, and and that I've grown up around to kind of have them experience that is pretty cool. And I was actually on the pregame show, um, the TV pregame show a couple weeks ago. And like, of course, as any mom would do, my mom like sat there and like videotaped the whole thing with her phone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, okay, this is such a but like, she was really proud. And that was, again, very, Very gratifying, just as, again, somebody, you know, my mom and and I, we'd sit there and watch Suns games together while I was a kid. And so for her to, like, see me on the set and talking to the, you know, Tom Chambers and Tom Leander, who's their main TV guy, like, to see them do that. To see me up there, I know, was, like, a really cool moment for her. And obviously, that in turn made it a very cool moment for me. So, no, that's been really really gratifying and really thrilling just to, you know, be back in this market, just because of the people who kind of get to sharing it with you after sort of being on my own for the past almost almost 10 years, I I was sort of doing my own thing. So now I feel like I have some more people to to share and all that stuff with, which is really, really awesome.
0: Super cool. Well, let's turn to talking about the team a little bit, although I super want to talk about Tom Chambers, because I had a total crush on him when I was younger. But (laughs) Oh, I got to stay focused. (laughs) We'll save that for another time. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Okay, great. So um, Phoenix Suns had the number one pick and they chose DeAndre Ayton, which wasn't a huge surprise, I don't think, to a lot of people. Although there were a couple of other uh, draftees who were out there that um, some people may have thought that they would have chosen. But um, so how is the DeAndre Ayton experience going in Phoenix?
2: Um, so far I think so good. At least you know from a if you take kind of the broader perspective. Um, you know certainly I think any team that didn't that passed on Luka Doncic, um, there's going to be a segment of the fan base that is irate about not having him, you know, on on your team just because of the the way he's sort of taken the league by storm and has been so great as far as you know, his clutch shots and just his dazzling highlights and people are making songs about him and all all kinds of crazy stuff. But I mean, DeAndre Ayton's been super productive for this team so far. He's been a double-double machine. Um, I think, you know, there were obviously questions about his defense coming into his rookie season and you've definitely seen some deficiencies on that end of the floor, but you've also seen some growth on that end of the floor as well. And so I think the, again, the biggest question with, um, you know, DeAndre Ayton versus Luka Doncic is, I think everybody thought that Luka was the most um, pro-ready prospect in the draft just because he had obviously been an MVP in the EuroLeague and has uh, has tons of professional experience and all of that where, um, you know, I think s- some people believe still that that Ayton has a higher ceiling and will be the best player in Five years or whatever kind of measurable you want to use. So that's obviously you know remains to be seen, and and we'll see how that all pans out. But you know overall, I think Aiton's been um, you know pretty darn good for for this team, just uh, coming out and his ability to score and rebound, and and you see the potential, and he's certainly not at his had a ceiling yet. And, and I think some fans like expect him already to be this like dominant force. And you have to kind of step back and say, okay, he's still a rookie, but the flashes are, are definitely there. And so I think overall, he's been off to a, a really strong start for this team.
0: What's kind of the the general like sort of bio story uh, about him for people like us, you know, who are in a different market, who don't know a whole bunch about him? What 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 are kind of the bullet points of like his life and his background and uh, how he has fit into and become a part of the Suns?
2: Yeah, well, he's originally from the Bahamas. Um, so, you know, spent the early part of his life uh, down there and then came over to the States And he's actually then became like a local Arizona product. He played at a prep school here in Phoenix, um, played one season at Arizona, um, and then, you know, obviously was the number one draft pick of the Suns. So he's kind of in this unique, um, unique uh, lore in that he's a very rare prospect who, you know, spent both his high school, college and professional start um, uh, you know, in, in the same market, basically. Um, Arizona is about uh, an hour and a half away in Tucson, but still basically in, in the same place. So yeah, I mean, he kind of was a, a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess you could say, just because he wasn't, you know, <laughs> he wasn't on YouTube when he was 10 years old, you know, at some of these AAU tournaments, but um, was discovered in the Bahamas, came over and was a, was a pretty dominant force, um, you know, for you know both in high school and then obviously in college. And that Sort of propelled him to be the number one draft pick. So, yeah, he's got kind of a unique, unique background compared to some of the other prospects, but also um, is, is a local product as well. So, kind of a, an interesting, um, interesting background for him.
0: And outside of what he's been doing with basketball, what are some of the things that fans have? you know, picked up on about him or some of the community things that he's been involved in? Or is he pretty much just like heads down trying to like get used to being in the NBA?
2: Um, You know, he's definitely done uh, some community events here and there. Um, But what I would say is just he's got a really big personality. Um, He's one of my favorite players to interview on this team just because um, he's still kind of he'll say what's on his mind. And, I'm, and I don't mean he'll he's like he hasn't popped off or been, you know, derogatory about anything, but he will be um, you know, really, he'll be really insightful and really thoughtful and really open about you know certain things. Um, I've actually been kind of writing a recurring series about the the lessons that he's learned while going up against other you know NBA centers for the first time, and you know going up against Joel Embiid or going up against Marcus Gasol or Nikola Jokic or put any any you know top top player in there and he's been really insightful about what he's learned from, from those matchups. So, um, but yeah, but he's also got a huge personality when it comes to, you know, talking about loving video games and he's got a a husky dog that's like his best buddy and just kind of getting used to, to life in Phoenix on, you know, on this level. So no, he's been a, he's been a really entertaining guy to cover in this locker room, which I obviously appreciate in my job. Um, and he also has a lot of pride in, you know, he wants, to, he wants to be part of this franchise, which was once a very proud NBA franchise, but as obviously uh, you know, fallen on some pretty tough times over the past decade since the Steve Nash era. He really wants to bring this organization back to prominence. So, you know, obviously, it's not going to happen in his rookie season with how the season has gone so far. But he really wants to be part of the resurgence of this organization, and he's vocalized that a number of times. And I think that's just because this is what this is what he's known since he's moved to the states. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that fans have really appreciated. And, you know, obviously, they they share in his hope that he can also, uh, you know, help them lead lead them back to prominence after, you know, a tough a tough decade or so. C- can you give an example of
0: one of the things that he's sh- shared with you about things that he's learned from playing a- up against some of these um, more dominant or, you know, uh, veteran centers?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think probably the biggest thing is, is, how they use their body, whether that's to how they use their body to score, how they use their body to draw fouls, um, how they um, are able to square up defensively. He's mentioned that about Nikola Jokic. He's mentioned that about Joel Embiid, who obviously, you know, draws a ton of fouls and is just a total force inside. Um, and, you know, he just, he, you even, there even sometimes is a little bit of a glimpse of, of not being starstruck but he's when like they played Anthony Davis for the first time he was like that's who I usually play with in NBA 2K <laughs> like just kind of having that realization that it's like whoa I'm like sharing the floor with these people that I previously only saw on TV or played in a video game so um yeah like I said he's he's very candid about just um, you know soaking all of that in and trying to learn as much as possible and you, you even see some progression from you know the first time that the Suns play a certain team and then you know the second or third time that they play that team and then I'll be really interested to see how he looks next season when he has you know the full summer to sort of work on his own game and to watch film and to study and to sort of go into his second year knowing what this grind is like and knowing what is required as far as focus and physical, you know, keeping your body right and all of that. So no, it's been kind of, I sort of feel like you're, you know, I'm watching it all unfold as it happens. And that's obviously a really cool thing as a reporter to both, you know, see with your own eyes, but also to kind of get their, the players insights about, you know, what they're learning along the way.
0: It really is so exciting to see them develop, like, when you can see it from game to game, or from, you know, um, from year to year. That's one of the things I love about watching the NBA is just even though I have absolutely no connection to them there's just this little pride in me (laughs) that you know that people can learn so much and work so hard and 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 do so well and I just I just love watching that one last question and before we got to go that is so he was the number one pick uh, rookie just coming into the league and y'all also have a rookie coach uh, rookie head coach. I mean, he's been a coach and around for a long time, but this is the first time he's been uh, coaching in the NBA. How is that uh, matchup relationship appear to be going?
2: Yeah, well, um, Igor Kakashkov, say that five times
0: fast. Um, <laughs> Not even, gonna you <laughs> notice I didn't even say his name because I was like, I'm going to screw it up.
2: And, and like you mentioned, he's been a, a longtime assistant coach and so obviously has a, a great deal of of experience on NBA coaching staffs and actually was in Phoenix for, for part of the the Steve Nash era. But this is really, you know, it's different when you become the the head guy for the first time. So, um, you know, you, you see him everything from setting his rotations to implementing his philosophies on both the offensive and defensive ends to, you know, dealing with the media sometimes three times in one day, he's got to talk to, random people like me. And, and that's all part of it being like the face of, of an organization or one of the faces of an organization. So um, he's a very stoic and calm man. And so even if even if he is emotional or he's feeling like really high emotions, um, he doesn't often show it at least publicly. So, um, and he, you know, always appears to be pretty calm. Um, so I think that probably serves him well as he's going through, you know, a tough first season, which he knew he would be walking into a, a, difficult situation. I mean, the Suns have three rookies in their starting lineup right now. It's just you know, pretty unheard of in the NBA and, and there's going to be a lot of growing pains there, but um, you know, again, no coach is perfect and, and he's, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sure if you were asked to ask him to, you know, really look back and be candid about things, um, I'm sure there are certain situations that he wishes he would have done differently and that he will learn from, just like DeAndre Ayton is learning from. But, um, you know, the the organization, because he has experience in this organization, um, they they know or they knew the young roster that they had, um, or at least the situation that they're in right now. Um, I think there's you know there's they're they're going to give him room to to try to figure some things out and try, try to tinker with things here and there but like i said certainly the growing pains have stretched to the to the head coach but that's kind of just the product of of having a young team and and figuring things out but um you know overall he he came very highly regarded especially with his you know offensive philosophy and and all of that, and so I think I think slowly but surely they will figure it out. But certainly, this uh, the youth among this team also extends to you know the inexperience of of their head coach as well.
0: Yeah, as I recall, there have been uh, num- you know multiple games this season where the Suns may have lost or they may have won, and you know you can get glimpses of how fun and athletic they can be.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they it's crazy. This team has eleven wins, but they've beaten the Nuggets they've beaten the Celtics they've beaten Milwaukee um those last two on the road and so you yeah you do see glimpses of like okay they they have some skills here and and when they you know they're trying to establish an identity of being a really um tenacious defensive team with all the length they have on the perimeter and and then obviously Devin Booker is is their star on offense and he's really grown this season not just as a scorer but as a facilitator as well um he's got a career high in his assist numbers and and is you know towards but based on he he's just asked to do so much as far as his us- usage rate and just everything that he's asked to do on on the offensive end so no you do see glimpses and you do see um just that there's the potential there but the consistency is not there and just the youth you know shows itself from time to time so again i know fans are really frustrated here in phoenix just about the playoff drought and everything but um, you know, I think there's still, if, if, if Ayton continues to develop, if a guy like Mikhail Bridges continues to develop, if Booker continues to, to evolve as a, as a player, then, you know, this could be a promising team here in the future, but, um, you know, you can't really, you can't really say that for sure until you start to see the more consistent results, but you do see that, that you can see what they're trying to do as far as building their core. And then it's just a matter of all growing together and then putting the right pieces around them as well. I lied. I have one more question. I didn't think I should have asked you about, uh, Booker
0: and Aiden and how does their chemistry seem to be developing in the time that they've played together?
2: Yeah, pretty good so far. Um, you know, again, I think they're, they're still learning along the way as well, but, um, it's just kind of a matter of, again, Booker's kind of in a new role this year where he has been asked to distribute more. And he's also been kind of a This is a team that lacks uh, you know, point guard experience. So he's had the ball in his hands a lot. And so he's he's trying to sort of, you know, figure out all these, you know, new ways to both score and and distribute. But um, as far as their personalities, I think they both understand that, you know, they're they're the anchors of this team and and they, you know, are are gonna kind of be in this together for the next several years. I mean Booker signed his max extension last summer that will kick in next season. So he's gonna be here for a long time. Aiton's gonna be here for a long time on his, you know, rookie deal and then if all goes well he'll sign his Max extension in a few years as well. So um I think they know that they're in this for, you know, the next several years. So um, you know, everything that I've observed is that they have a, a strong relationship and, you know, Booker you know, wants him to wants Aiton to to believe in himself and, and know how good he can be and, and you know Aiton Ayton knows how good Booker is. So yeah, like I said, so far so good as far as that that relationship is concerned. And they know they're going to be, you know, developing together for several years to come. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks again for joining me today and for sharing how things are going in Phoenix, especially with regards to the rookie. Um, I have lots more questions, but not no more time for them today. So you'll have to just come back on the podcast another time so we can catch up some more. How's that?
2: That sounds perfect. Again, happy to do it and uh, say hello to my beloved Portland for me. <laughs> Will do. And before we sign off, you want to tell people how they can find your work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my Twitter handle is just my first name and my last name. So it's Gina Mizell, G I N A M I Z. ELL. And then we are on the athletic. Um, if you go to the NBA page, you can find all of our son's content on the drop-down menu. Um, also on the athletic AZ is our Twitter handle, um, and all kinds of different places. So yeah, if you, if, if you haven't jumped on the athletic bandwagon yet, I encourage you to do so because we cover everything in North America. So no matter what, what sport you like, what teams you like, we've, we've got it all covered. Awesome. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much.
1: Okay, well, next up we're gonna ta- we're gonna hear from Jill Adge. She gives her takes about the Sacramento Kings and other things around the NBA. And we talked a little bit about how they're feeling about their picking of Marvin Bagley instead of Luka Doncic. Which I'm one of those fans who maybe couldn't let go of the Odin Durant situation as much as I thought I had uh I woke up from anesthesia at one point recently, and apparently the first words out of my mouth were, we should have picked Durant very loudly um, until my husband had to explain to all of the nurses what was going on because I just kept repeating it. Um, That's so funny, Cassidy. I thought I was over it. I have a signed Greg Oden shoe in my house. Like, I... I thought I was over it, but I apparently am not over it. So we checked in a little bit with Jill about how they're feeling, how their young core is doing, Um, uh, and a little bit about the amazing double jump of uh, Marvin Bagley, which is worth checking out if you have not. So it's it's a fun interview, and we got a chance to check in with, I mean, the very surprising Sacramento Kings this season. Well, well, hi, Jill. Thanks for coming on and talking with us today. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on again. Yeah, we are so happy to have you back. I know Tara got the chance to talk to you before the season started about rookie Marvin Bagley, who the Kings drafted at second. Um,
3: How are you all? How how is he fitting in with the team? Um, I will have to say today's actually the perfect day for it because he actually had his first start for us of the season um and he finished with 22 points and 11 rebounds so i mean exactly what you could ask for the guy coming in um especially playing with guys when he's normally coming off the bench so um fit in very well with that but no he's been everything that was advertised from him we have seen um he's his post game is good. He still has to work on the right hand. I mean, but that's being that he's left-handed. Um, so that's something that's pretty normal. I think for a young big coming into the league that, um, they're not always, you know, able to do the hook shot with both hands, but that's something that can come, but we have seen it a couple of times. So we definitely know it's there, (laughs) um, in his arsenal once he keeps working on it. But, Um, the big thing was his you know his hustle and the style of play that he could bring with our fast guards Um, and he's (laughs) fit right into that Uh, he's crazy athletic we kept hearing about his uh, second and third jump and it to me like it's it was like okay we're hearing about it but when you see it I mean it was like holy crap I mean he's getting up his second jump and already, you know, putting it back or dunking on you. And these guys aren't even coming back from their first jump yet. So it's, it's pretty crazy to see when he actually does it. Um, and his defensive skills, I have to say that was a weakness coming in, at least that we had heard about.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, but one thing was that, you know, in Duke and they played zone at times and stuff like that. So it was kind of hard to really know what we were getting but I would say defensively, he has shown a lot more than uh, we thought we were going to get, at least in the first year. And so you can definitely see that. And a lot of the mistakes he does make, it's it's not for lack of effort or trying. It might even be he's trying to do too much. Um, so once the game slows down a little bit for him that way, um, it'll just keep getting better. But uh, I I mean, we definitely have our big band of the future there, no doubt. So um I think everyone's extremely pleased with what we've seen so far from them.
1: Yeah, and it, the Kings have gotten off to a really pretty great start this season. Um I think to the surprise yeah. of a lot of people in the league
3: everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's our be- um yeah. it's the first time I want to say we're above 500 in January since 02 or 03. So I mean it's okay, been yeah. that long. Yeah.
1: I was trying to figure it out because I I couldn't figure it out from this point in the season where you all were at, but I know there was like yep. a season in maybe like 2002 that was somewhere close, and then I know 2006 was an okay season too, but I don't yeah. think it was this great of a start.
3: No, not at all. So yeah, so, I mean, <laughs>
1: it's
3: it, it's been really refreshing, and a lot of the energy is back with the team and with with the town, especially when. Coming in, we it, we just expected that developmental year. And mm-hmm. knowing we didn't have a first-round draft pick, it was, like, even worse. Um, yeah. And so all the trades you were expecting were going to be, okay, maybe find somebody young and attach someone that has a huge contract to it, try and get a first-round pick, something. But the options are really open right now based on how these guys are starting. And you, we actually... Are seeing a core develop, and yeah. it's crazy when seven of our ten rotation guys are in their third year or, um, or below. So I mean, the fact that they're doing what they're doing already um, this early is super promising, at least from a fan perspective.
1: That's that is sounds really exciting to be watching from being down there. Um, how do you really? Sorry, I'm a little tired. Just watched the whole Blazer game, so I'm still amped up. <laughs> know, um right? still angry. Uh, but um <laughs> how is um do you feel like the core, the young core you said was doing really well? Do you feel like that has been a
3: huge part of the great start that you've gone out got uh started out with? Yes, and I would say probably it's basically Fox Buddy Healed and uh Bogey, we call him Bogie for uh um as a as a nickname. But those three are kind of like our, I'd say our heartbeat of the team mm-hmm. that the way that those three go, essentially the team goes, but they're all putting up, you know, career numbers, especially Fox has had a huge jump in a second year. Um, he's averaging over 17 points a game and is just is leading this team like crazy. Buddy's shooting 45% from three. Um, wow. yeah, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Um, and it's to the point where he shoots it and it could be any kind of shot and you just feel it's going in. It's just one of those that, and he mm-hmm. gets, when he gets so streaky, it's on, but that's also kind of a downfall too, is that he's, I would say he's pretty unselfish. And so a lot of it is we're trying to shoot more, shoot more, shoot more.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: cause we know it's there. Yeah. and. uh And then Bogey, he's shooting 37% from three. But he's a guy, too, where um, he's coming off the bench right now. He could easily be a starter. Um, But he's coming over from Europe. He plays, you know, one through three. And so he can play backup point guard. He can play the two. He can play the three. Um, He can control the game that way. And he feeds off the big really well in the pick and rolls and just puts him in really good positions which really helps our young bigs and um, Bagley and Giles. I mean, he helps get them in the right position. So having these young guards that that look and feel comfortable has been, has been huge for these guys. So
1: it sounds like you guys are happy with Marvin Bagley. Looking back on it and watching Luka Doncic have the season that he's having, <laughs> how does the, um, does it, does it sting at all? Are you still super happy? Are st- people still talking about this? Is it over? Oh, it's,
3: yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> it's still. I want I want to say a daily conversation okay. on uh, King Twitter, and it can get ugly. Most of us try and stay out of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I still like the guy. I liked him before, mm-hmm. you know. And yes, we didn't take him, but I still enjoy his game now. So, I mean, I know some people are still really bitter about it, but. You know, I mean, I can't really complain when, you know, you see the way Bagley's playing and he fits in really well with this team. Yeah. Um, you know, it would have been interesting to see how he fit with these guys. But with the pace we're playing as well, I don't know how he would have fit with that either. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell that way is you see how exhausted these guys get and how fast they really are. Um, yeah. Could he play with that style? I don't know. Um, and still be as effective, but I mean, it's, it's been fun watching him and I, I really think he landed in the perfect spot there. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still a big conversation here. and I think <laughs> well, it will be, um, in the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. depending on how, um, how these guys careers go. But I think if we continue winning him like that, it's, it, it will become less of a, you know, <laughs> less of a thing.
1: Well, as a Duke fan, I'm definitely rooting for Bagley to (laughs)
3: succeed. succeed. And he's so easy to root for. Yeah. I mean, he is. He's a good young kid, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think
1: there's ever a chance we're going to see a Marvin uh, Bagley-Dame Dalla music collaboration? Because I know I've seen that he has (laughs) put out a few things. And I'm wondering if maybe this could be a collaboration that brings Portland and uh, Sacramento a little closer together.
3: Right. That would be funny. Yeah. And he's him and uh, Shumpert have put out like a couple of uh, Instagram videos nice. where they do they do it with each other, too, because he does his stuff. But um, it would it would be interesting to hear those guys for sure. Um, And I think they're two of the better, I would say, in the league that of guys that put stuff out. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, that they're, <laughs> they're talented with that, at least. So but, yeah, it would be an interesting combo
1: mm-hmm,
3: and I know we
1: uh Portland had the chance we we actually drafted Harry Giles, uh, I think in two thousand and seventeen with our pick. and we want to check in on how he's doing
3: in Sacramento. How's his season going? um i I would say that i I'm really happy with everything we're seeing um out of Harry, and he is so easy to root for. I mean, when you think of everything that this kid's had to go through already yeah. so young you know as a player um you know having one knee injury coming back and then hurting the other one um but and it's and then he was the number one uh ranked high school you know kid yeah. prior to all that stuff and so we're definitely seeing um the skill set and the IQ that was you know that made him that number one prospect mm-hmm. um but then when, you know, at times too, you have to remember when he's on the court that he hasn't played for, you know, around two years or so. Yeah. Um, and so the game still is moving really fast for him. And a lot of the mistakes he does make is um, he's trying too hard or, you know, putting too much, which, you know, it's hard to bag on the guy for that. Um, and so I think when the game does slow down a little bit, um, it'll be even better for him. But, yeah. you know, and going into the season that, I think we might've even had unrealistic expectations for him, which is not really fair to him, but he was being hyped up so much by the team, which is Mm -hmm. understandable. And you'd see the, the practice flashes and all the players were talking about him, you know, just wait till you see this guy on the court
2: Mm -hmm. and you
3: see him make uh, passes, and you see his ball handling skills and you can totally get where they were coming from, but you have to remember too to, to give, you know, the kid time and he's never even had a, a full legit off season where he's been completely healthy and can just have an off season. Um so I think you know building up his body wise because he still is pretty um skinny compared to a lot of the other big guys out there. Um but I I would say that we're seeing everything that we thought we were gonna get out of him and it's and and two it was uh you know it was we took him at 20, I believe, and it was Kind of a, you know, if you hit On it, great, and if not Um, maybe They don't lose anything out of it yeah. Um, so I I Would say everything we're seeing is, is Really exciting from him, and it's You know, it's, he's such An easy guy to root for, and You know, hopefully it keeps, it keeps Going well for him, but yeah I, I would say that we're It's, everyone's happy With what they're seeing so far from him And, oh, sorry, we're seeing a lot of uh, Bagley and Giles together, where I said today was the first start that Bagley got. Um, Yeah. For the last maybe 10 games or so, it's been a consistent rotation of um, Bagley and Giles off the bench, and it is fun seeing those guys uh, come in together. They eat up every rebound. You know, Mm -hmm. they play hard. (laughs) Yeah. And they work really well together. So
2: I think you even saw it
3: in the game we played, you guys, it was one of their first games where they were together off the bench. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun watching those guys grow. So, and you can see where they thought that they were going to be the bigs of our future. So.
1: Yeah. It seemed like there was a lot of smart moves made and you guys are seeing maybe a sneak peek of more things that are fun to come to with this team. Cause it definitely is a fun team to watch play and that's what I've enjoyed about watching Sacramento so far this season. I haven't gotten to see too many games, but it's definitely been fun games to watch. And they always seem like they're just going for it. And it makes sense that you're talking about the young core because it all connects that way.
3: Yeah, and and they're playing fast, how long they can keep that up. We've seen it kind of decline a little bit the last five games, which yeah. is expected,
2: um,
3: yeah. you know, being young and still trying to... Mm-hmm. To work out the, you know, three games and five nights and, you know, especially playing at that pace. And I think they've had like three games in the last four um, on this trip. But, um, yeah, so it's how long they can keep up that pace will be will be interesting. Um, but, it yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun seeing people around the league saying how much fun they are to watch because. Like I said, it's been a long time since <laughs> we haven't been the laughing stock of the league. So it, it is nice to see. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, where can people
1: find, find you online to follow all your fun takes on um, basketball
3: and more? Yeah, so they can find me on Twitter um, at Jill Adge. And so it'd be at J-I-L-L-A-D-G-E. And, yeah, I give all my Kings takes and uh, other NBA takes, but mostly Kings. (laughs) Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you again for having me.
0: Well, that'll do it for this episode of the What Podcast, Women's Hoops and Talks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, you can find all of our episodes on Blazer's Edge. Subscribe to the Blazer's Edge podcast feed and we put out episodes on Thursdays.
1: And follow the podcast at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. You can find me at Cassidy Gammett, C-A-S-S-I-D-Y G-E-M-M-E-T and Tara is at T-C-B Biggs with two G's. Our guests can be found at Jill Adge and at Gina Munzel. And, you know, we want to hear from
0: you. So let us know what you think about the show. Tweet us or you can email us. We have an email that is very creatively, it's going to be a surprise, at Talks at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you like the show, or if you, you know, have any ideas about people who we should have on the show or topics that you'd like us to cover, please let us know because we want to know what listeners are interested in. Thanks for joining us this week
3: and we'll talk to you soon.